0: Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Growth Exponential Podcast. I'm your host, Bradley Cook. And today we have a very special guest, Deborah Meyer, who's the CEO and founder of a great organization called Moving Traditions. And what we're going to do today is we're going to hear her story and also learn about this inspiring organization. So Deborah, welcome.
1: Thank you Bradley. I'm so excited to be here and I think it's such a great idea.
0: Thank you for being here. And I'm super curious. I want to hear your story. Like what's your background that led you to the point where you are now? But please don't feel bad about embellishing the details.
1: Great. Thank you. You know, there's so many different ways that you could you could which, which path should I start with? I mean, one possibility, one story is, um, back in the day when I was growing up, um, I couldn't actually have a bat mitzvah on a Saturday morning and read from the Torah. My brother, my older brother, who really didn't, he was not that jazzed by Hebrew school and study, he didn't really care that much, and he got to read from the Torah on a Saturday, whereas I could only read Haftarah on a Friday night, because at that time, back in the 70s, um, We were girls were not allowed. We didn't have parody around Bani Mitzvah, which is shocking. When I tell told my daughters that story, um, their responses, that is so weird. Um, It's just beyond our imagination. And so I think for me. I grew up as a Jewish feminist, really thinking about why why don't I have full access? Why can't I, um, you know, be the president of the United States? Why can't I, you know, read Torah on the bima with the men? Um, and so I really, I think for me, gender was something that I I've cared about for a very long time, and it came from a sense of personal injustice. And you know, in my lifetime, years after my bat mitzvah, even women actually were allowed to have their own credit cards in their own names. Previously, you had to have a credit card in your father or your husband's name. In my lifetime, and I'm not that old, you know, so shocking, right?
0: That's wild. That is really wild. And I, I think back to, did you at the time of your bat mitzvah, which is a, a Jewish coming of age ceremony, did you have the desire to read the Torah? And what did that conversation look like?
1: I did. I really did. I, I felt like... I was just surprised myself. I was like, why can't I read this, you know, this scroll, which is a foundational, uh, you know, it's the Bible, it's the, the, the teachings, the essence of our, our religion. Why couldn't I? And, and it was, women were not seen as um, holy enough. Like we would, actual women's, the touch of a woman on the scroll could actually hurt the Torah, which is a, it's just not part of our contemporary Understanding or viewpoint—it's just—it seems bizarre and, and uh, maybe belonging to some fringe, you know, right-wing thing. But it's really—it was—it was—it was mainstream. That that thinking was mainstream.
0: That's wild. And and you took this with you. How did this impact this this pivotal moment in your early years of becoming a woman? How did that then feed itself into your your high school and college years in that area?
1: Yeah. And the other thing I think as a child, which was, was that I was part of a Jewish youth group that was really mm. interested in labor issues. So I was fascinated by people working together to uh, write social Injustice and to work together for change, and so I grew up in this youth movement called Habonim, and the Builders, and so it was a labor, you know, sort of affiliated with the labor movement in Israel, and um, and I and I feel it really comes out of Jewish teachings about you know we were strangers, we were slaves in Egypt, which is a story we tell on on Passover, and um, this idea that um, we can work together and we can make change, and so. Jews were a big part of the labor movement in this country, working for a five-hour work week, uh, an eight-hour work day. And um, and so I I had models of women and men from my faith tradition working together for for social justice. And so I went on as an adult to work, actually, one of my first big jobs was for 9 to 5, National Association of Working Women. And so you may know the movie with Dolly Parton and Lily Tomlin and... um, whoever the third person is working
0: and, nine to five just to try to make a living oh my goodness, absolutely. sing it, sing it <laughs> there we go <laughs> so
1: that was that was one of my first jobs was working for exactly equal pay and better working conditions still a problem still working for that sometimes in some place in in big problem in our country and across the country um but that was really what that, you know, those early formative experiences really prompted me to kind of get involved with working for social justice. And then um, and then I discovered as an adult also a Jewish tradition of women meeting at the new moon, like mm-hmm. every every month at the new moon um, to study and talk about our lives and about um, problems in the world and how we might get involved with uh Making the world a better place, and that was a really supportive experience for me. We met for 18 years; it was a, a long-lasting group, right? Yeah. Wow. As we were raising children and so forth, and uh, getting you know all that kind of thing, and um, and I love that experience. And in the in the course of the the early years of this group meeting, I heard someone had this idea that um, we should help Jewish girls who along with other American girls um, come up into adolescence healthy and whole and loudmouthed and big appetite and then they hit this wall of adolescence when they realize oh we're supposed to be beautiful objects and we want to be you know we're supposed to be hot and sexy and not and not feisty and loudmouthed and so this sort of um Real dissonance between what you feel inside and what society tells you you're supposed to be as a girl is is mm. it's very problematic and a real you know real moment of eating disorders and um, and anxiety and depression for girls and that's been true um, even with all of the advances that women and girls have made. Um, over the years. And so, um, so that was really the foundational moment for moving traditions was this idea of creating this program for girls. That's where we started. And we thought, why should, why should we let girls struggle as a Jewish community? We shouldn't let them, you know, go into crisis. We should be there using Jewish ritual and teachings and a real contemporary understanding of what it means to be a human being to help girls stay healthy and whole. And so that was the first, the first program of moving traditions.
0: What, what year are we talking there?
1: We launched Moving Traditions in 2005, although we had already created the program um, for Rosh Chodesh with this group of women associated with the seminary in the progressive Jewish world called uh, Reconstructing Judaism.
0: Now, I just think that's really powerful. Thank you for sharing that story. I just really think and feel it reminds me of this idea of of a tikkun, like a, a reparation of, of one's past. So stepping from that experience that you had as a young woman that wasn't allowed to read from the Torah for your bat mitzvah, and then being a driving light and force that young women should not only have wholesome lives, but should also not have those religious injustices to place against them to a time where no woman should have to Um, To face that. So you really were in 2005 pioneering anti-sexism or gender equity and equality within the Jewish movement.
1: Absolutely. And we were actually using Jewish ritual, authentic Jewish ritual, because Rosh Chodesh, this new moon ceremony was a very ancient ceremony for progressive contemporary purposes. And I feel like that is is also a Jewish teaching, that for every generation, we turn the Torah uh, and make it anew. And so here I am now allowed to touch the Torah, you know, helping turn it for, for for girls, but that was not enough for me because even yeah. though I feel like this is so important that we help girls stay healthy and whole and powerful, um, I was really interested in, and still am interested in thinking about all people and understanding that the way the world is constructed and the way that we look at masculinity is not that great for guys either and that the sort of dominance and um, other sort of male codes, boy codes really um, don't benefit boys or girls or men or women. And so I was very interested in thinking, okay, this is great. We have this program for girls, that Jewish program for girls. What could we do for boys? Um, mm. As the world is changing and boys, you know, men are not just professionals, but they're partners and parents in a different kind of way. How could men support boys and how could people adult support boys and growing up healthy and whole and um, fully human also um, within the Jewish community. And so I hired men to take the lead and doing research and creating something that could really work for guys.
0: Wow, that's amazing. I mean toxic toxic masculinity is 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 just starting to rise to the the top of conversations. I know, uh, have you seen the Gillette campaign?
1: Yes, yes, it's great. It's awesome.
0: It's, Which is it's, really, what, what year are we talking now that you started to venture into the, the mail space?
1: 2007, we started, I, I brought together some, guy, some men to do some research and we really, we went on a listening campaign. We did 40 focus groups with boys and Jewish boys who'd had a bar mitzvah, but weren't doing much else in the Jewish community to find out like what's what is your life about? What are your struggles and what would you like to have happen? We spoke to educators and psychologists, men who are working on looking at what what it means to make a healthy boy in our culture. And what the boys told us in these focus groups is sort of countercultural and not what adults expected so that the Rosh Chodesh program was this once a month, two hours, girls sitting around the floor doing arts and crafts and talking about their lives and doing drama, you know, just really talking about their lives. And the idea, the sort of popular idea of what boys like to do was not necessarily that. But when we had these focus groups and we were asking guys to talk to us and tell us who they were, and what they wanted, um, they said, we want this. We want to get together with other Jewish guys who understand our who, who I feel I'm at home with, who understand me, who I can talk to. And so, and so we put together this program for guys called Shevet, which means tribe. Like, you know, it's your band of brothers and, wow. and similar, you know, and people were like, really, you're going to have boys get together and talk, but you make it safe. And that's what boys actually want. You know, teen, teen guys really love it.
0: It's remarkable. How? Um, how? What? Op- I mean, you are you're way ahead of your time with that. Like, what obstacles did you face when entering? You, know, you briefly touched upon it, but what are some obstacles that you face, or even also face today, being in that space?
1: Yeah, I think first of all, and I want to say one thing also, which is that we were are very careful not to use the expression toxic masculinity. Like, I totally understand people use it. I understand why you said it. Yeah. Um, And there's a way in which, um, we feel like, and what we, what I've learned from the study of boys and men, and what I really feel I've learned in my life is that people start out like very sweet and whole. And, and so every, every guy has a potential to really connect to their, their beautiful place. And, um, we're not, we don't want to tell boys that there's something wrong with masculinity. We just want to say to them, there's certain behavior that doesn't work and isn't respectful and we shouldn't be doing that, you know, and, and have guys kind of work together to figure that out. So we want to, we don't want to tell boys that there's something wrong with them. You know, we want to say to them that sometimes culture and society encourages us to do things that are not cool. It's true for girls. It's true for people of all genders. So I just want to say that. So we really start from a frame of add to your toolkit, you know, be this guy and then be your full self, you know, like really Allow yourself to be your full self, and so I think the, the one of the biggest barriers is who will be the adult mentors, and so for women working with girls, there's like a natural um, you know there are more women in education, there are more, more women social workers, um, and so there are many women who are willing you know available to to lead a group for girls and be adult mentors for girls, and that's the model that we use for Rosh Chodesh for the girls program. For the guys, there are less men in Jewish education and uh, and and fewer men available you know to be these adult mentors and and yet I think as um, these these issues have taken off, there are more men now who are interested in doing this and there's it 's been a very exciting to see the kind of men who get attracted to to doing this work, so some of them are clergy rabbis and cantors some of them are jewish educators but we've had pediatricians and we had a sommelier a rocket scientist let me just say it did take a a rocket scientist Um, Uh. a documentarian like so we've had men from all walks of life who feel that they want to give back and they 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 really um, find a lot of inspiration and connection and joy in helping like a group of 10 guys 10 boys you know meet And and look at their lives.
0: What cities are you doing that in?
1: We are in 29 states. We have staff in six cities that help. So we we, we decided from the beginning that we were going to leverage the resources in the Jewish community that already exist, and that we were going to invest in helping the Jewish community do a better job of reaching youth, so that we were going to research and create these great resources that come out of our sense of what's needed and what we, you know, from research itself, and then um, that we were going to train adults to deliver these resources. So we partner with congregations and community centers and camps around the country. And in six cities, we have staff that really try to permeate the whole area and get everybody possible involved. So we have staff in Boston, New York, Philadelphia, Chicago, Denver, and Los Angeles. And we're looking at expanding.
0: That's amazing. Now, I, I do have a question, and I'm sure other people are curious about this as well. So the name Moving Traditions, it feels like a play on words to me. Like, what is, what was the, how did you come up with that? Like, what is the meaning of it?
1: You got it. So um, on one hand, you know, on the face of it, let's take the tradition, let's take the traditions that are ancient and, va- and still valuable, and let's move them so that they serve the purposes and meet the needs of people today, so that we can then move people, you know, really touch them to connect to these traditions. So really, that's it is meant to be a double entendre.
0: I I love that. I love that. And and what what needs do you have as an organization now? What do you have going on, and what type of needs do you have?
1: Well, we—that's always a great question to ask a nonprofit. Uh, certainly, certainly, money. I mean, any nonprofit is going to—you know—anybody who's looking to give their philanthropy to social justice and, and the Jewish community and on the issues of gender and sexuality. We're here, um, but we always are also looking for adult mentors. So people who feel like I would love to help a group of teens um, address the issues in their lives, especially these identity issues, um, should definitely contact us. I should also say that we now have a program for trans and non-binary teens. So we, you know, we had this, we didn't want to get stuck in this like girls and gut boys only there's, there's, you know, there really is a, such a deeper, um, and broader understanding of gender now than when we started. And so we know that there are people who are uh, transgender and there are people who are gender non-binary or gender queer and who are really looking at gender and identity in a different kind of way. And so with Keshet, which is an organization that works on LGBTQ issues in the Jewish community, with their help, we did some research. And then we started a program that they also help us recruit for called Tzelem, Mm. Which is um there's a quote in the in the Bible during the in the uh, creation of the world, God created people in God's image, but so in the divine image, and it's B'Tselem elohim, and it's a plural. So in other words, God's image is a image of uh, multiplicity. So it's you know so it's. One God, but with many different faces, and so the the, the reference there is it 's a program for teens who look at gender from a variety of, and identify in a variety of ways around gender and that 's a really beautiful growing growing program as well so um, so we 're looking for adults of all genders to help mentor. Jewish teens of all genders. And we, we'll train you and, um, and we'll connect you. And uh, that would just really be amazing. And then also people who are um, either connected to Jewish organizations like congregations or community centers or camps, day schools, or who want to start a, a group for teens in their community. Um, they should also get in touch with us and we can help hook you up and we'll bring your congregation and what have you on board and we'll start working with you. And the other piece that we also now have is we have a new program that's for sixth and seventh graders and their parents. So we're helping during the B'nai Mitzvah, during this Barbat Mitzvah, when you're becoming an adult in the Jewish community, we say, really, you're becoming a teen. And so, how can we help sixth and seventh graders and their parents start having conversations around what does it mean to become a teen? What are the values of our family around all these, um, around the social opportunities um, and the pressures that emerge around the Bar Bat Mitzvah and in this time of life? And so, that again, we want the Jewish community to address identity issues and social and cultural issues that arise in people's lives today, but using ancient teachings and a progressive lens.
0: Wow. It sounds like on so many levels, you've been at the forefront of moving traditions, literally, and also just bringing that act of creation into the world to empower individuals across, across all spectrums of identity. That's really inspiring. And I want to thank you for, for being on the growth exponential podcast. We're going to include a link to your website and some of your social media places on where folks can find you. And I, I want to wish you success in all of your worthy endeavors.
1: Thank you, Bradley. Thank you so much. And same to you.
0: Thank you. You've been listening to the Growth Exponential Podcast. If you know a nonprofit professional that I should interview, email me at bradley at org.